previously on The X-Files. He was definitely drinking a lot. And by a lot, I mean, you know, there was like cases of Bud Light in the house at all times. Most of the time when he would get home from work, he would be pretty buzzed, if not drunk, before he went to bed. So as far as like the cancer goes, I was not seeing any signs of him being sick. And then with the with the ex-wife, Denise, things were still very tense. Things were still very strange. Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but more importantly, we stand together. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. And just a reminder that you will definitely want to stick around at the end of this episode because we have another very special guest joining us for another girl chit chat. All right, girl, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Season three, episode four, Going Undercover. It was so hard to keep this under wraps. And I kept having to remind myself, like, I need to find out more information. I need to figure this out. And if I blurt out that I saw him, that I'm giving up my stance in this and I'm not going to I'm not going to get the information. Everything is going to become another round of gaslighting, another round of lies. And I needed to really unravel everything. It was difficult. It was very difficult. He came home that night around 1230 at night. And mind you, I saw him at dinner. It was probably around sunset time. So 630, 7 o'clock at night. And then he shows back up at the house at 1230. Again, he said he was at dinner with his mother who has um, dementia and is unfortunately living in a care home. And the care home actually closes visiting hours at 8 o'clock. I knew this already. (laughs) And he still was holding up the story that he was having dinner with his mom, that he was spending time with her, that she was having a lucid day and remembering him and basically kind of shaming me for being mad at him for being home late. He's drunk, I can tell. And he said he went to the bar next to the care home after dinner and that he was just drinking his emotions away because it was hard for him to see his mom. And he goes to bed. I spend the most of that night tossing and turning and thinking about what I'm going to do next. So first step I took after that was I reached out to Erica, the first ex-wife, the mother of his children. And I met with her the next day while he was at work. And I asked her to get me in touch with Denise or to let Denise know that I would like to go to lunch with her. Um, so we started planning that. But in the meantime... As we're plan- as I'm trying to plan this stuff on the side, my children, who are adult children at this point, they are graduated from high school, so they they are not living with us. To clarify everything, I've already booked tickets for them to come out to Idaho, and we are planning this big camping trip. This camping trip had been in the works for probably a couple months at this point. This was the big plan to introduce both sets of kids to each other in a like neutral environment things are unraveling and fast. So I'm a little nervous about having my children here and his kids. And I'm trying not to cause a scene during that point either. So trying to hold all this together, (laughs) find out what I need to find out and not cause any more emotional damage to the children 
in our lives, which was very important to me. You know, after seeing him with his ex-wife, I was on edge, but still living in the house with him and still trying to maintain some normalcy. So it was a, it was a very like interesting time period. It was, it was very emotional, a lot of things going on, but I'm also trying to keep it together so I can figure out actually what's going on. Prior to the trip, mm-hmm. I know that your mind's probably going a million miles a minute. Did you mm-hmm. have friends or family that you could run things past, talk to them, or did you want to keep it private? Because it's embarrassing. Sometimes we don't want to share things when we're not even well, sure what decision we're going to make about it. Right. No, I mean, things were definitely very, very strange. So I was talking to my mother a lot on the phone, talking to my sister a lot. Both um, both my sister and my mother knew Chase um, and, and had known him pretty much as long as I had. I remember my mother telling me at one point, as I'm going through everything, she asked me point blank, she goes, well, do you love him? And I said, yeah, I've always loved him. And she says, well, you know, he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot of trauma. And if you love him and you trust him, stick with it. I remember her saying, you know, I wonder if I made a terrible mistake. Because I really, you know, he says he has this cancer and he's going to this treatment and he's doing this stuff. And it just doesn't add up. And she and I are very observant we kind of like to, we sit back and we look at things and our brains pick up on things and it just didn't tally to her. You can't juggle everything. You cannot have all the balls in the air all the time. Something has to fall. So honestly, at that point, you know, talking with my mother um, and she knew him very well, and she also cared for him. So I was heeding her advice and trying to really try and figure out what's going on with this situation. So she she did tell me to go and meet with um, Denise and talk with her that there may have been a miscommunication uh, on or a misconstruing on my part of what was actually happening, you know, and that I could go and actually get the information um, and that I couldn't make a rash decision without actually having all of the information on my plate. Right. Now, Did the first wife, Erica, have any insight for you when you first reached out to her? Was she in shock or like, oh, God, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, poor Erica. I think she's she had been through so much. And I I didn't know the full story of what she had gone through with him prior to that. So I sit down with her and we have a quick lunch, um, you know, in between her work day. And again, she shares custody of children with him. So she has to deal with him the rest of her life. And I didn't want to cause any extra drama for her. (laughs) So um, she looks at me and she just says, I think it would be good for the two of you to talk. And she just kind of gave me a little bit of a smirk. Like there was definitely things that I should know. And then she asked me what I wanted her to do. And I said, you know, I don't want you to get involved in any drama that's going to upset your life. I just want to make this connection with Denise and figure out what's going on and, you know, keep you out of it as much as I possibly can. She mentioned that, you know, if Chase finds out that I'm telling you these things, he's going to he's going to be very upset and he's going to cause a lot of problems for me. She didn't give me any extra information about anything to do with Chase or tell me anything that she may or may not have known. But she did tell me that it would be good if uh, Denise and I did sit down and talk. So 
you know, she was she was supportive in that. She was she was definitely supportive in that. And she kept laughing and she goes, uh, don't let him find out you joined the ex-wives club. So at this point, you are trying to get facts, but you have this impending camping trip. Are you mm-hmm. kind of going back like maybe I shouldn't introduce my kids and get them involved if now all this shit storms happening? Yeah, there was definitely that thought. So on one hand, I have my mother being the voice of reason telling me I don't know everything that I need to find out the truth before I make any rash decisions. And then I have my little spitfire sister on the other end going, he's a fucking liar (laughs) and get rid of him. And he's shady. And she was, she actually point blank asked me, she goes, is he on drugs? She's like, he sounds like a drug addict. (laughs) Um, So my sister from the moment I told her some of the problems that were happening or the red flags, she was like, this is, this is no, he, there's something shady about this man. I had my own emotions, you know, flooding. This was somebody I'd known for 25 years that had never, ever hurt me in any way. So it didn't make sense that he would be doing what I thought he was doing to me. So yeah, I was a little nervous bringing my children out. I was, I was definitely nervous about how this was all going to go. But the week or two leading up to the camping trip, things started getting better. He was acting like the affectionate, loving person that he was when we first started dating, the affectionate, loving person he had been to me as a friend. He was coming home on time. Uh, We were laughing again. We were joking. I mean, there was moments where I was like, maybe I was completely wrong about all of this. The kids flew in and that was very exciting. I was super excited to see my sons and they were excited to see me. They love fishing. They love the outdoors. So they were very, very excited to get out and experience all that Idaho had to offer. So they arrive and there's a lot of anticipation for everything. And his kids are super excited to meet my sons. And, you know, they start all hanging out together immediately. We all go to dinner and that's super exciting. The kids, like just mesh together seamlessly. Chase didn't have a lot of camping equipment. So while he was at work, I was going through like Facebook marketplace and things like that. And I was buying up used camping equipment so that we had everything that we needed. We go on the camping trip probably two days after my sons arrive. So we drive out to this um, lakeside campsite and we set up a tent and um you know, we spend the day on the water. The kids are doing paddle boarding. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but Chase is starting to act weird again. Well, we're out like paddle boarding with the kids and Chase is sitting at a picnic table. He's not interacting with any of us, his children, my children, myself, none of us. And he is sitting at the picnic table and he's on his phone the whole time. And I'm like, who's he texting? (laughs) And I can't help but think this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are we back to this stuff with Denise again? Like, what is happening? I thought we turned a corner. Even as kids were getting annoyed, they were trying to get him like, you know, dad, dad, come play with us. Dad, come like paddleboard. And, you know, and then he would pop out of it for a minute and he'd come play with the kids. And later that night, we uh, went back to the campsite and we have the bonfire going. We're making dinner and s'mores and stuff with the kids. And there's a group of campers next to us and the group of campers next to us set up a beer pong table. So they invite us over to play beer pong with them and we're playing and um, all of a sudden this like thunderstorm starts rolling in and it's starting to get really windy. It's starting to rain. So Chase hands me his phone 
during the beer pong match and he asks me to put it in my jacket pocket so that it won't get wet. So I put it in with my phone and immediately my pocket starts vibrating. At first, I think it's my phone. And that was, honestly, I thought it was my phone. So I pull out both phones and I realize it's his. And there on the screen, because he hasn't hid his text messages, like you can read the full thing on his home screen. It's a text message from someone named Monica. And it reads, I'm so lucky to have found someone like you. I don't know what I would do if I hadn't met you. I'm so glad you're a part of my life. Oh, yeah, that's no go. Oh, I'd shit myself. I just <laughs> Amber's got a sensitive tummy, by the way. She really would probably shit herself. <laughs> literally, literally mm-hmm. I would shit myself, and then I'd be fucking crying and pitagoring out all at the same time. All at the same time. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. My first thought is, who's Monica? I've never heard of her. I have no idea who this new person is. And the text message is clearly not a friendly text message. That is clearly like you're in a relationship with somebody. And then I'm thinking to myself, how long has this been going on? So <sighs> I can't react in the moment. His his like 10-year-old son is hanging out with me. And I can't go crazy on his dad in front of him and like his daughter's there my sons are there and i'm just lucky bastard together yeah he got lucky you're a good person i had to hold that together Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i pull him aside um later in the night when we're finally kind of alone and um i ask him to sit in the car with me and and so we can talk and i ask him point blank i was like who is monica and he just looks at me confused. He goes, what do you mean? Not, who are you talking about? What do you mean? Is what he said. And I said, well, I had your phone. It was in my pocket. And, you know, it went off and I pulled it out. And I read your text message on the home screen. Like, I didn't unlock your phone, but I read it on the home screen. And I just want to know who she is. Because it seems like you guys have some sort of relationship going on. And he says to me, oh, my God, are you starting this shit again? And he tells me, Monica is a coworker of his who's going through a divorce. And she suffers from anxiety like him, you know, because he's he's got really bad anxiety, remember? And that he is teaching her ways to handle her anxiety so that she doesn't have to take massive amounts of medication. How kind of him. Yeah. So this man, this man who has never practiced meditation or anything along those lines ever in his life was (laughs) giving meditation advice to his coworker was, uh, was the excuse of why she would text him. And not to mention like dick therapy, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. There was, there (laughs) was definitely, (laughs) instead of medication, he was prescribing her with vitamin D. (laughs) I'm so vulgar. I'm sorry. But I was like, gotta be a fucker. Oh God. No, it it was terrible. Um, so of course he tells me I'm insane. I'm absolutely crazy. Um, that I'm making things up that I had already accused him of so many things with his ex-wife, Denise, that I'm smothering 
that I am um, just becoming a psychopath is what he said. He said he never knew that this was part of my personality and I was just becoming totally psychotic and, um, you know, he was just getting tired of it. So he storms off and he sleeps in the tent with the kids and I sleep in the car. <laughs> um, but funny thing about that, he still left his phone with me. Oh, he's so stupid. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, you have a l- many more red flags. They're stacking up. Yeah. So now are you finally really seriously thinking that Chase maybe is not the man for you? No, not at all. And I, you know, I have my kids there. Um, so that's all. And they're they're staying for another week because they were going to be out for two oh, weeks. Okay. There was a couple things that we had planned after the camping trip when we got back. Now his work um, was planning a baseball outing and we were supposed to go to that. And also the town um, like fair was coming in. So his kids were super excited about that. They wanted to ride all the rides and go to the rodeo and, and that kind of stuff. So these were all things that we had planned after we got back from camping. Things are tense between us. And then he tries to laugh it off and joke. Um, and, and you know, just be like, oh, well, let's just put this behind us. You know, it's been a tough couple of months and we're just adjusting the living with each other is what he kept saying. And he goes, but you know, I do love you. All of a sudden, the day of the baseball game, which is probably two days after we get back from camping, um, he says he needs time alone. That you know, he's just so stressed out by everything that's gone on in the last, you know, few days and all of our arguing that he just needs to spend time with his friend, Joe. So he's going to go hang out with Joe this afternoon. And then when he gets back, then maybe we'll go to the baseball game. This has put me on red alert. I, everything in my body is telling me he's lying to me that he's not going to hang out with Joe. So I did something um, a little out of character, but kind of on the, uh, I need to figure this out FBI mode. And I went into the trunk of his car and my bowling bag was in there and I put my iPad in the bowling bag. You know, I didn't say anything to him. I just basically was like, all right, well, go have fun with Joe. Have a, have a great night. We'll see you when you get back. And I was telling myself, well, you know what, I'll, I'll track this on, find my iPad and see if he's actually going to Joe's house. And if he's going to Joe's house, I am crazy and I need to calm down and I need to quit this. But if he's not at Joe's house, then I really need to figure out what's going on. Had you reached out or even thought about reaching out to Monica first before you did this? I had taken down her phone number from the text message. But I had had not reached out to her yet. Okay. Um, I still hadn't talked to Denise yet. So I needed to sit down with Denise, um, figure out what was going on there. And then um, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to reach out to Monica or not. So it sounds like this whole like needing to investigate that you're very much like we are. And maybe mm-hmm. you can, maybe you're not. But did you feel like I need to know 100% before I I leave him, even though kind of in your gut, you know, like, I think that was kind of why we stayed for so long is constantly needing like 100%. I I need to have Mm -hmm. discrete proof and then you get proof, but then you want 
more proof to prove the other stuff. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you yeah. just, yeah. Why? I don't know what it is about us that we just feel like we can't make that decision to leave until we are just 120% positive. Right. Yeah. I think, I think on that respect, like when you've been gaslighted and I, I mean, gaslighting is so much different than just being lied to. Gaslighting is literally making you feel like you're crazy. Like you have completely concocted something in your head that is absolutely not in this realm of reality. Right. And, and it's scary and too, right? So if it's you make the wrong, de- yeah. And if you make the wrong decision and they were right, then you look like the asshole, you exactly. know? So it's like, you don't want to make that wrong choice. It's like, you don't even trust your own instincts. It absolutely made me crazy. It absolutely made me feel like I needed complete validation, like a thousand percent proof that this is exactly what's happening before I made any major moves. Okay. So now he randomly has to work Saturday. Suddenly Mm -hmm. you decide, like you said, to uh, insert your iPad into your bowling bag into his, his trunk of his car, which is so smart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's hear about this because I am so excited to hear this part. Yeah. So he tells me he randomly has to work on a Saturday, which, and, and on a Saturday that he has custody of the children. Now, like I had been mentioning before, he was pretty big on being father of the year. Like everything he would tell me was that my proudest moments are that I'm a father and then I get to spend time with my kids. Um, That particular Saturday, we were supposed to take the kids to the fair. And he tells me, I'll call you from the office phone so you know I'm there because he knows that I'm questioning what's happening. Um, So I, again... Um, put my iPad in his car um, and you know it starts tracking that he's on the way to work so I'm like okay because he does work in Spokane so it shows that he's in Spokane then all of a sudden it shows that he's at the Spokane mall which is not where he works (laughs) and he's there for a little bit and then it shows that he's um, somewhere else I think it was like in Lakeside or something Um, But it was clearly like a residential area. So whatever he was doing, he was not at work. And all I could think is, is this Monica? Is he on a date with Monica right now? Is he going to her house? And my just the pit in my stomach was just dropping out and I felt nauseous. And, you know, things were starting to like click and come together. And all of a sudden, all those things that I was questioning were starting to become reality. And um, I wasn't trusting him anymore. I wasn't trusting him on anything. So the next thing I had to figure out was what else was he lying to me about? So at this point, you're like, what the flying fuck is going on? And you mm-hmm. did you call Denise or walk into her? Uh, did Erica put you in touch? And And was she just receptive or like who the fuck are you well I actually she knew who you were right she knew who I was um Erica had put us in contact so Erica sent me a text and said Denise is willing to speak with you and sent me Denise's phone number I sent Denise a text and I said would you be willing to meet for lunch today and she responded immediately and she was like yep absolutely you know like I I could tell she was a little nervous at first like how I was going to react to her, like if I was going to come out guns blazing and do the Patagra thing or, you know, or what was going to go down. But I was really calm when I met her and I just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really 
thankful that you're sitting down with me. Like, I understand how incredibly strange this whole situation is. And I said, I just think that we need to clear the air and I, I need some clarification on some things. And I need, I need to find out if I'm crazy is what I told her. And the first words out of her mouth is you're not crazy. She knew exactly what I was going to talk about. So we went through things and we started like going through the timeline and she's like, when, when did he reach out to you? And I told her when, and I pulled up the first message that he had sent me. And she goes, I had just moved out of the house. We weren't even divorced. We were just separated. So the entire pyramid of lies started crumbling the minute her and I sat down for lunch. Oh my gosh. Did anybody cry? Oh, both of us were crying. Yeah. Both of us were like so emotional about everything. And I I told her, I was like, he told me that you guys have been divorced for over a year. And she goes, oh my God. And it turned out that they hadn't even gotten divorced until like that March. So after he got the tattoo of me on his back, (laughs) that's when they got divorced, um, like officially. Um, But the entire time he was like trying to cultivate a relationship with her still trying to get back together, quote unquote, offered to go to counseling, told her that, you know, she was the love of his life, that, you know, they were Romeo and Juliet and that it was just the kids keeping them apart. And that as soon as the kids were grown, they were going to get back together and their love story would be endless. And, And I'm telling her like, wow, he told me I was the love of his life. He told me we were getting married in Ireland at a castle and he drew me this picture book. And I think the picture book was the thing that broke her because he had done the same thing for her. And we started comparing stories and it just started getting sadder and sadder. And she told me that he described me as a roommate that, you know, I was just down on my luck and he was helping me out, that there was no romance between us whatsoever, that I was renting a room and had my own room because I actually at one point had taken her daughter and his daughter shopping. Like we went on a shopping excursion. And the daughter had reported back to her that I didn't have my own room and that we were definitely sleeping in the same room together. But, you know, she's like, I believed his lies, too. I believed everything he said. And, you know, he started one minute he would tell her how great of a person I was. And then the next minute it was I was using him and I was, you know, using him for his money. And so I'm like, what what money are you talking about? (laughs) So he definitely made me out to be a villain that I was just like a leech and I was, you know, sucking off of him and that this turned out to be a horrible decision on his part, that he was just trying to help an old high school friend. And then on the other end, he's telling me she's an alcoholic and all of this stuff. And she's like, I was not an alcoholic when we were together. I was never physically abusive to him. It was the other way around. So all these, all these lies started coming out. It's just so hurtful and disheartening. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the moment when y'all just are like sitting there in disbelief. Like how could this person talk so awful about yeah, me? and just yeah. such crazy lies. And then it's like, did you ever get to that point? Like, let me show you the text message because you want oh. people to think that you're not crazy. Like, I swear he told me the same thing. And no, like, we you want to compare we... like, here's this and here's this. Cause Yeah, we were screenshotting each other, the text messages back and forth. She was sending me emails he had sent her. I was sending him, sending her emails and messages he had sent me, sending her pictures of cards, all these things that he had, you know, given me or sent to me. And at the end of this lunch, we were so emotional, the two of us. 
um, we actually got up and hugged each other. So there was no fighting. There was no like tearing each other's hair out. There was no, you're the other woman stealing him from me. It was like, no, it came to the realization at that point that this man had been lying and manipulating the both of us this entire time. And we had that connection all of a sudden because we both understood what it was like to be going through this at the same time. Now, at this point, were you both in agreement that you both were going to kick into the curb and reach out to Monica? I showed her that I had the phone number and she pulled up her Instagram and we started looking through this. And I realized that the baseball game that all of us were supposed to go to, he went to the baseball game with her. Interestingly enough, I had mentioned that I found out he wasn't going to Joe's house that day for the baseball game. I showed up at the baseball game and I confronted him at the concession stand and we got into a huge argument. So you just felt like something's up. It wasn't Something sitting was right. Up. And mm-hmm. you decided to make your way over to Spokane. Yep. And I followed him to the game. I actually bought my own ticket and I, I came in. I love it. Um, and I texted him. <laughs> I texted him from the concession stand and I said, I'm here. I think you should probably come down and talk to me right now. Oh my God. But you didn't see Monica? No. Oh, he had to have been shitting himself. Um, so yeah, I confronted him at the baseball game. He, of course, is upset, really upset, like explosive. And he's screaming at me to the point where security guards are coming up, like to separate us. Like that's like the scene that we're making at the concession stand at this point. I'm telling him that he's lying to me. I'm, I'm telling him that, like, why would you do this? Why would you come all the way out here and not bring your kids? And he threw it at me that it was because of me that I caused all of this. He was so upset with all the crap that I put him through during the camping trip that he just needed to come here by himself and that he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of all of his coworkers with the psychotic relationship that he has with me at this point. The security guard separates us. I go home and he stays at the game. During my meeting with Denise, I tell her about this. And as we're stalking Monica and trying to figure out who this person is, we find out a couple of things. One, we find out she is actually a coworker of his, that she works in a different department, but like, I think she works on, she worked on like the fifth floor and he worked on the eighth floor or something, but they did meet at work and she was going through a divorce. And then we also found out that she was at the baseball game. And in one of the pictures on her Instagram, you can see him sitting next to her and her boys. Oh my goodness. I love it. So you yeah. guys were getting on the social media we and did. looking shit up. That's my girl. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping you would. We're not crazy, right? <laughs> so we Amber? did. We I mean, did get on the social normal. media. Okay. Um, and we saw him there. And then I, you know, when Denise and I were talking, we were both like, we weren't disgusted that he was there. I mean, we were disgusted that he was there with another woman. We weren't disgusted at Monica, though. It was, again, this was not Monica's fault. She had no idea about what was going on with Denise or myself at that point. We were just disgusted that he lied to his own children and he's there with another woman and her children. And he left his kids with the psychopath roommate that's leeching off of him, left his kids at home with me. Right. This horrible. You're the psychopath. (laughs) roommate. Yeah. The psychopath roommate watching his children right now. So, um, yeah. And actually, so to clarify, when, um, I had gone to the baseball game, I actually contacted Erica, their mother and said, Hey, do you mind watching them or taking them out for a few minutes? I got to go do this thing. 
And she did come by and she picked up the kids and took them out for a little bit and then brought them back. So yeah, I caught him. I caught him at the baseball game. So that was a lie. And then in meeting with Denise, we started talking about all the other lies he was telling us. And we both came up on the cancer topic. I'm sorry, yeah. but how many parallels are we seeing here, Amber? I mean, oh, the me and Sienna at the concert. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and while you guys, mm-hmm. they were having lunch and talking and sitting at the table and the hug, like I'm That's definitely PMSing, but I feel, mm-hmm. I felt teary. I was trying yeah. not to cry because it reminded me of her and I talking and I feel Aww. like Denise is Amber in this situation and the hurt hearing it when later you were confronted and all these other women were coming out and I just yes. I hurt for you and mm-hmm. I was so far removed so it obviously didn't affect me like what he was doing I just I, I hurt for you and like all of the women involved in our story and, and, I, and that's story. how it's just yeah. it's awful but I love that Alicia you and Denise could come together and mm-hmm really have this conversation without being territorial. So many yeah. women will fight for the bad guy, even though they're POS. You yeah. know? So I, I'm glad to hear what you guys did and said. And and everyone got hurt so bad. We're all away from him now. And we're all in much better situations, but all of us got hurt in this. There wasn't one of us that came out unscathed. So that was the thing is like, I, I, I couldn't be mad at anyone else. They didn't know he was lying to them too. And it wasn't their fault. I wasn't in a relationship with them. I was in a relationship with Chase. It's Chase's fault. He yeah. made the conscious decision to, to start all this with all of us. He made the conscious decision to lie. He knew it would hurt us. All right, everybody. I'm super excited to announce our special guest who is one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world, whom I went to college with, and her name is Shayna. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Shayna. Hi. We're so Thanks happy you're with me. us. Okay. Thank you for having me. I know. Shayna's heard it all. Shayna's been there from the very beginning when I met Brandon, when I married Brandon, when I divorced Brandon. She always gave me the best advice, even if I didn't always take it. She always had like a really good head on her shoulders. Well, I was thinking about it and I was like, what advice did I give you that was so good? Because I I was trying to remember back through all those crazy times. And I just, I, I really can't think of something that was like, Wow, that was really good advice. And, and was it run, was it run, bitch, run, like (laughs) run, bitch, run. Well, there's this weird line between wanting to like support your friend who's in a in a situation that feels sort of chaotic and like bad mouthing that other person you know what I mean because you're gonna get to that point where if they side with him you just lost your friendship absolutely so there was always that place where I wanted to be sort of neutral but always on Amber's side of Mm -hmm. things which meant I was against you sometimes so <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that part. That's right. Oh, we it all hated you, girl. It wasn't just Brandon; it was me too. <laughs> yes, you know what? This the light just, bulb went off. Yes, I think what I think you did perfectly. That kind of skating that line. I think more than anything, you encouraged me to really trust my instincts, kind of encouraging me to trust my own thought process. I think that's where you really excelled. Um, and like, just talk it out. And what does that sound like as you're verbalizing what he's doing? And, um, 
kind of helping me come to the conclusion on my own versus going, you just need to leave him and he's a piece of shit. And, you know. Now back to Chase and Alicia's story and our interview with Shayna, specifically for episode four. And we got some interesting insight into what she was thinking about all of the shenanigans. So Chase constantly flips it on Alicia and makes it her fault anytime she points anything out as a way to deflect. For instance, in this episode, he says he went to see his mother at the the old folks home or uh, whatever facility it was. And uh, when he was actually on a date with his ex-wife, Denise, and then he shames Alicia for being mad when he's not home uh, or when he arrives home late. How can we as women stay strong in these types of moments and not let them twist things to suit their narrative? I mean, that's a really great question. Um, So from my standpoint, being a writer and somebody who's constantly looking into, you know, not just plot points, but like character traits and like how people operate on the inside, I think, and I was really thinking about this while I was listening to this episode because I was like, Oh my God, he just, it's like constantly like, you're the bad person. You're the bad person. Don't second guess. And I think that as women, we are told from a very young age to almost like not take up space to be giving and caring and, and almost naive in a way of like, well, you should be the kind one and you should be the one who's taking care of people. And I think in instances like what happened between Alicia and Chase, where he would give this thing that he was doing and she would go, well, you weren't doing that. And then he would explode on her and be like, how can you even say that? If that was the truth? Yes. That makes you a terrible person for saying, why are you late? You shouldn't be visiting your mom in a retirement home, you should be home with me. And that makes you selfish. And as women, we're told to not be selfish, right? We're told to be, you're the last one. We're the caregivers. We take care of our kids. We take care of our husbands. We do all that stuff. It's easy to look from the outside and say, oh yeah, you, you should just walk away or not believe him or say you're full of shit or whatever. But when you've been mind fucked like that for so long, and then somebody says, how can you second, how can you say that to me? And you're the bad person. And I was doing something selfless and good and worthy and I'm visiting my mom and that's what matters and you do go oh my god I'm a terrible person and then you sort of like shrink back inside yourself again um so I guess the advice that I would give is really 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 try to take yourself outside of the situation and 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 look at the facts of it and you don't need 100% facts like you guys were talking about. You don't need 100%. You need to know that you are true to yourself and that this is not right. And step away from it for long enough to get some real clear clarity about what is happening. Yeah, like we need to get over this whole uh, people saying you're selfish. Like you're not selfish for mm-hmm. setting boundaries or having questions or whatever. And what do you think about the fact that she knew exactly where he was at and that he was not at the old folks home? How do you not spit out like you fucker? Don't call me selfish. I know exactly where the fuck you were at. Yeah. I don't know how she didn't just blow up right then and just be so mad. That's the thing from this whole situation that I wrote down, like I was listening to, I was writing down notes just about. So when you, when she's talking about things that are happening, she's talking about, and I'm a writer, so I'm going to talk in writer terms, like these plot points that are happening, like the camping trip. And then, you know, she met up with the ex. And I was thinking about all that space between 
like all those dinners and all those night times at home and like breakfasts and like just the space between the big moments that were happening and like how do you cope like I don't I fundamentally don't understand how somebody can just go through their day and cope with this kind of insanity in a calm like rational way like I there's like days and weeks that went by that she was still living in a house with him and still like knowing really fundamentally knowing the truth in her own mind and still staying. I'd love to answer that. I have a comment for that. Hearing you say it just so clearly, I don't know about you, Amber, but I definitely did that multiple times with Brandon. And I remember now listening to you say that how Alicia said there were a good few weeks between those events, but between them, they were great. They were dates. Mm. They were having drinks, going out, dinner dates, tons of laughs, jokes, the feeling that everything was totally normal. And so it's a vicious cycle where in your mind, you so badly want to hope and hold on to this idea, Mm. or maybe it's a protective mechanism for your own sanity. I just remember when I'd found out so much about Brandon and that woman in Canada, when she'd contacted me, I'm back from Italy from that honeymoon. And I remember my body just kind of shut down and I couldn't Mm. really be crazy. Normally, I think I would have just absolutely lost my shit screaming but instead I was a robot and I think Mm -hmm. it was a protective mechanism that my my mind my body had over me just to to cope maybe to get through it so I didn't have a mental breakdown so I'm wondering if in a little bit of a way Alicia had that she just sold her company she just left everything and she's there and I wonder if she was either her body was just trying to cope with what was happening. So she shut down or she just was grasping onto the good moments. I mean, yeah. it could be multiple things, right? Yeah. And also don't forget, like, she doesn't know exactly if that was a romantic date or not. So I think in her mind, she might've been rationalizing it as, you know, cause her mom said, well, you might've misconstrued what was happening at that dinner date. Maybe it was just a co-parenting. We need to talk about the kids or whatever, even though they didn't share kids, which it's all those things going, okay, that doesn't seem right, but I guess there's like a 0.05% chance. And so you kind of, for whatever reason, you believe, or you kind of hang on to the the teeny tiny chance versus all the other stuff. All the evidence. Crazy. It's just, is it a self-esteem issue? Is it a, the grooming, like Sheena said, maybe it's a blend of all of it. I think it's probably, for me, it feels like a survival mechanism. Yeah, You know, it's like if you were stuck out in the woods and you knew you were surrounded by bears, you would just do whatever it takes to sort mm-hmm. of survive. And it kind of feels like it would be that where you're, you hold on to the little, like if you, what you just said, of like, it was happy. There were great moments and it was dates and it was fun. And, and then it just came smashing back when something like really big happened. And then it kind of like jarred you into being present in what was really going on. Wow. So and men like, like that, yeah, men like that are very good at mm-hmm. charming your pants off once they've dropped, you know, a really hurtful bomb on you. So uh, how do you feel about Chase's first wife, Erica, not providing any detail to Alicia 
regarding Chase and Denise? Well, I, yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that, you know, I think this, the circumstance between you and Amber is, is wonderful because you guys came together and then it was just like, you, you found this camaraderie and it was, you told each other everything. But I think that people are people and they're different. And, and what if she's unsure? Maybe she had been told things about both of them that made her feel hesitant about revealing too much because she was also in that mode where she was protecting herself. So I don't actually blame her for that. I bet as time goes by, it may be easier for her to, um, to reveal more of herself, but you know, people are people and we all have different ways of coping with things. And some people are just private and don't really want to get into that madness. I mean, she probably had her own madness and was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not here. You deal with it. I don't want to get into this next. Well said. Very well said. I 100% agree. You too, Amber. Yeah, I do. But I also feel like she could have gave her a little bit of personal experience. She doesn't have to give all of Denise's. I think she was right in the fact saying um, you need to ask Denise yourself, you know, what went on in their marriage. I don't want to speak to that. And that's not my business. However, I can tell you from my personal experience with Chase, Um, she is the mother to the children too. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if, you know, as Ben Brandon was to me, you know, the threats and things like, yeah. What if he ever made her feel like if you got involved, like I, you know, I'm gonna make your life a living hell and she just can't handle it anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. so she's just like, "Eh." but I get it. There's a part of me that I would hope that she would want to, you know, help someone not go through what she did, but I get it why you don't as well. Okay. So Alicia leans into her mom and sister in this episode, letting them know kind of what's going on with Chase, how much or little should a person share when it comes to their private relationships? And do you think her family gave her good advice? Because obviously we, we saw that the mom and the sister had very opposing perspective, perspectives. I think that's really tricky because like I was saying, I think that you as a friend of somebody who's going through something, who's talking about their person in their relationship, whether it's their husband or boyfriend or whatever, it's a fine line between saying how you personally feel like emotionally you want to stand up for your friend and you want to say that that guy's an asshole and that guy's a dick and you need to get away as fast as you can. But if they stay with that person, then you're the asshole and you're the one that's going to get outed because you're the bad guy. And, and from, from a place of somebody who's going through something like when things are good, you don't want that friend over here going, but hello, it's going to be bad again. Like they're the voice of reason. And you're like, Nope, I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear that voice of reason for Alicia. I think that her mom was trying to be understanding. She was coming from that place of dealing with people who um, are going through things and trying to like step-by-step rationally, you know, try to get through it. And then her sister was like, what the fuck? Get the fuck away from that guy. He's psycho. And I think that those opposing views sometimes come into your brain and it's kind of like, and then you, and then you really don't have somebody who's a good, solid, just support for you to, to work out stuff with, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the mom was like, well, you've known him your whole life. Like you should just, if you love him, then try to work it out. And then that's where we as women go like, well, yeah, I, I do. And, 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 and I, I should just try. And, 
you know, in the fifties, by the way, right? Very nice. Yes, exactly. Like work it out privately, work it out within yourself. Like you don't need to include the whole world. Um, if I think it's easier to say in hindsight or from the outside of like, yes, tell everybody what's going on, tell people, have other viewpoints, like try to figure it out with other people. But when you're in that situation, it's very hard because shame, there's a lot of things that happen and you don't want to be embarrassed and you don't want to be shamed or like people are talking about you in a negative way or people are going like, Oh, you know, judging you. So judgment and shame, I think are huge Very true. in that respect. Okay. So things are getting better between them, especially right before the camping trip. She's starting to think that everything is going to be okay. So now she's starting to second guess herself regarding if the things that she's seen or discovered are indeed really red flags. Um, what is your take on this? And why do you think that women let one tiny good thing trump all of the big red flags? Because we've watched romantic comedies our whole lives. <laughs> Damn you, rom-coms. <laughs> I know. I mean, we want to believe in love. We want to believe in true love. We want to believe that there are crazy circumstances that bring two people together and and then things go awry and then you're brought back together and it all works out into a lovely little bow of a fairy tale. When she did go on the camping trip and, and that's the big moment where like he handed her his phone. He's stupid. Right? He handed her his phone and it wasn't locked and all of a sudden he's getting text messages. It's like, those are parts for me that I'm like, you're so smart, Chase, in all of these things, but then you're so dumb. Or do you want to get caught so that you can create this whole thing? I don't know. I said that last episode. Same thing. I'm like, if you're doing that, like subconsciously, do you want to get caught? Because not only was his phone locked or unlocked or whatever it was, I believe Alicia had mentioned that on his phone, when a text would come in, it would have a drop down, even if it was locked to display the entire message. So I'm like, okay, exactly. You're so smart, but damn, you're stupid. Like really? And then, and then left the phone in the car. At this point, do you think she should have just shown her cards and be like, I know all this, 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 and this, and this is the last straw you better tell me what's going on. Cause she, she kept it again. <laughs> she did kind of confront well, him a little bit, but um, he just passed it off and gave her an excuse and she took it. But, oh man, I feel like I keep joking about the Pataguer when it came out, but oh, it would have been more than a Pataguer at this point. <laughs> it would have been like head spinning. Right. I think of that because kids were there. True. You, True. you get into a different mindset of where you are the, you're like the mama bear as yes. opposed to the tiger where you're mm-hmm. like, attack, you're more like protect. Mm-hmm. And I think that if she had had an explosive argument with him, with him there, it would have affected the kids. And so that's where her sort of constraint, restraint, constraint, whatever came from. And she held it together. Do I think immediately following that she should have hit the road? Absolutely. I think that she should have literally just like left. And it's so easy to say that again, from the outside, from being far away of like, you should have left at that point. And I understand that she's all in here and like she left her life and like, there's a lot going on, but do I personally think she should have left at that point? Yes. Would you have just responded since you had the phone? Would you have just said, Hey, Monica, this is Alicia. How you doing? <laughs> like, you know, I, I like, would have, cause I've I know. Done I mean, I was hoping you would say that, but I don't know what. I would have done because I did do this was pretended to still be chase. Oh, and right. just been like, Hey, what's up? Like how, like, 
what's going on? Like, or how are you doing? Or not even that, just make it sound a little bit more personal, but word things to get information. Like, we throw stuff out. Wish you were here. Let's see what that response is going to be from Miss Old, you know, Monica. Like, is she going to say, that's weird, coworker? Or is she going to say, me too? I'm so glad. Or I'm so, I'd love that you invited me. I wish I was in your arms right now. Like, that's when you get the juicy stuff. When you bite your tongue, you think strategically. I think I would have written her number down on my own. And I would not have replied as Chase. Because I think, again, that turns it around where you're this crazy, you, you get put in that, in that place where you're the crazy one. Like, how could you do that? You don't write somebody as somebody else. I think I would have written down her, her info. I would have probably with my own phone taken screenshots of the texts that were there just so I had it and I'm not giving the phone back and then they're lost forever. I would have tried to record some of that. And then I think later I would have probably reached out to Monica on my own. And not been Chase. Well said. I love it. We all have our three different options there, but Tiger. <laughs> I've done all of them. Being I've Chase. Done all of them. <laughs> I mean, I probably have to. Had a lot of practice. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I've done that one. Yeah, I have. <laughs> but I mean, I don't put anything past me. I'm like, if but I need an answer, yeah. I need it now. And I will go insane. Okay. So uh, let's move into the next one. Uh, speaking of desperate desperation, desperate times calls for desperate measures. So let's chat about Alicia putting the iPad in Chase's car. Brilliant. <laughs> right? I mean, right? That's straight up like if you want facts, here's your facts. Yeah. That, that, you know, Google Maps or whatever, the find my, my, find my phone doesn't lie. So I think that was very, very smart. Now, for disclaimer purposes, we never promote stalking people or tracking people. <laughs> That's right. a no-no. You can definitely get in trouble. However, here's my air quotes. If you happen to forget your iPad in someone's car or something, yeah. you, you might be able to find it again. Hint. Hint. <laughs> right. That's what find my iPhone is for. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, if you lose like your she, iPad. Yeah. It's like. She didn't put a tracking device. She didn't put like an air tag on one of his belongings. It was her personal nope. iPad that she in the bowling bag and left in the bowling left bag. Left it in the bowling bag. She yeah. was worried that maybe somebody might lose the bowling bag. And yes. It was for safety purposes. It was very smart. Right. Good job. But I yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah. would, I didn't think of that. I should have done that, honestly, in all my years. And I love Brandon. how she says, um, you know, she talks about how he's going to his cancer treatment or whatever treatment he's doing for the cancer. And she was like, so unless the McDonald's drive-through, you know, is the clinic, then uh, I'm going to go ahead and say you don't have cancer mofo. Okay. So even hearing and comparing stories. So this is basically once she did sit down with Denise and they talked it all out. So they're comparing stories just like me and Athena and they're hearing all the horrible, horrible things that he is telling each woman about the other. Um, it's sometimes it's still difficult to stay strong when you know the truth. How can you wrap your head around something like that and stay strong in those moments of like, this is not real. Like it took me a long time, I guess what I'm saying to realize that this man does not have love for me. He does not have love for his daughter. He does not have love for anybody really. And then all of a sudden 
that made sense to me. Like, okay, so whatever he says to me, it's completely falling on deaf ears. I don't hear it. It doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, again, from a writer standpoint is the core things about, so when you, when you took Brandon, Ben back for that three weeks, I think for your own brain, you were trying during that time to probably like watch him and see like, because you're an empathetic person and you put yourself in somebody else's shoes all the time, doesn't mean that everybody else is like that. I think that we always try to look at people the way that we are as human beings. So I think it's really hard to realize that there are people out there who have no, literally no sense of actual love or care beyond themselves. They don't even have, um, sorry, it's like a neurological issue, you know, Mm -hmm. um, even with um, my daughter and, and dealing with her father and having to really deeply look into these things, um, you know, with the doctors, it's, it's crazy. You, you're right. You cannot rationalize it. It does not make any sense. Their actions make zero sense, but because there is no connection from A to B, B to C and C to D. And they're just, they don't feel remorse because they're not capable. And so you have to stop trying to help them Mm -hmm. just accept that they're not capable and that's it and is that a life you want to live with a person like that no thank you yeah you can't fix them there's no fixing there's no making it better there's no making it like well if he just gets help if he does this if he does that there's no fixing somebody else you can't fix someone and that's what romantic comedies always lie to us about it's like you can't fix someone They have to do it themselves. And if they aren't capable of it, you have to go protect yourself and get out of that situation and not ruin your own self for the Mm -hmm. sake of somebody else. Yeah. And even if uh, they, okay, so if it's not a cluster B personality disorder or a severe issue, there are other issues like sex addiction, things that have happened in our childhood, maybe that's created issues. So even if it is one of those lesser things, or I shouldn't say lesser, but it, even if it's not a cluster B personality disorder, it still takes years and years and years to fix that, especially as an adult. As a child, it's a smaller amount of time, depending. But as adults, those are learned behaviors that have lasted so long that it's intense therapy to fix for a very long time. So is that something you want to put yourself um, in? Is that a relationship you want to be in? Yeah. It all comes down to also just, you are not selfish for choosing you. Like it's, mm-hmm. you're just not like, I had such a horrible fear of being talked about, like basically how he talked mm-hmm. about Athena. I, I didn't want to be that. <laughs> and so I had such yeah. an anxiety about like leaving because I didn't want to be told I'm psycho and crazy and selfish and the worst. I have so many text messages saying I'm the worst wife ever. And I, I I'm so like, it's just, no one wants to hear about that about themselves. And then you start thinking, well, am I just like Alicia? Like, am I selfish? Was is that really, mm-hmm. I don't think that is, but maybe I am. And like, what does other people think? And it's just really hard to, it's, it's a twofold thing. Like they need to work on themselves, but you also have to kind of find yeah. that in yourself. What other things that so makes far, me sad. I know, right? <laughs> oh, oh, I've grown so much. And that's the only thing that you can do at, after going through something like this is like, you kind of can look back going, wow, I've had so much personal growth. Yeah, You can't not at this point, but 
Um, Nobody teaches you how to survive a sociopath. You know, through this whole thing of what Amber went through and like what I would hear and then you two meeting up and then forming together and creating, you know, ex-wives undercover. I just, fuck, you guys are so fucking strong. <laughs> and it makes you're me gonna cry. Because- <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, I would never expect oh. anything less because you do this. I know. I, I love you. I love you. Amber is like an that amazing person. And I'm just, I'm super proud of you guys because fuck you. Oh. And fuck all these guys and women or whoever is doing this kind of shit. It's about time that you take hold of yourself and you stay strong and you fight the good fight. And yeah. I think you guys are doing that. And it you made me makes cry. me emotional. <laughs> you're you're making, me, making me cry too. I know. <laughs> you know, I it's it's um it's been crazy as I as we went from chapter yeah. to chapter to chapter and all the seasons and then we go through season three. It is fucking crazy how mm. uh we have survived everything we have. It I yeah. I would hope that everybody could, but everyone would be able to get through it, but not everyone has that inner strength or maybe a support to help them get through it. Yeah. And, but it's, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just really crazy to think how we did push through it. And you guys are just easy. badass bitches. <laughs> just badasses. I mean, I even, I'm a, I'm a very strong willed person and I feel like I have a lot of self-love but I honestly like thinking about what both of you guys and listening to the just insanity of what happened to you both I don't know that I would have had the same recovery or like you know you you guys just came out the other side and we're just like we're gonna do something about this and I there's sometimes I'm like would I do that you know there's definitely um something to be said to having, uh, you know, Athena and like, I was just on the phone with Avery last night and like, they did it with you. So it, it helps you kind of get through it. Cause they are the only ones that know exactly what you went through. And so not everyone does. Sometimes you're just a yeah. standalone person who went through this incredible toxic I was relationship. Alone. Yeah, exactly. I I and it was, it was so many years after the fact that you finally got to team up and yeah, find that support. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Shayna, you went through what a 10 plus year, like, not that it was, it was like ours, but like, it was yeah. hard. It was hard. It was an unhealthy, you know, situation. Yeah. Um, and you made it, you're a badass. You're like my favorite badass in the whole wide world. Uh, <laughs> so much badass that she, like, if everyone doesn't know, she's a writer, she has her own <laughs> company and we want her to write our story for yeah, you. A, you know, it's beyond a docuseries, show. like a scripted show. We want yeah. Tina and her writing partner to lead up this badass bunch of women yes. telling our story. It's going to happen. I'm getting there. Yeah. It is. We just have to find that, that sweet spot where we're not doing a, um, you know, the Tinder, the tin, Tinder yeah. swindler, or we're not doing, you know, those kinds of stories, but we're finding a really that perspective of the both of you as women going through something. And again, like that space between. That's the part to me that is like, you can have these plot points of like crazy shit that happens, but I think the, the part that, that interests me the most is how both of you and Avery and whoever else was involved in all of the shenanigans, like how you lived on a daily basis and like all that crap that you worked through repeatedly and just, were just 
told how shitty you are, told how crazy you are, told how awful you, you know, all the bad things and that you still rose up and, and, and made the, inner, it the inner strength to protect a child is yeah. something that's not in those other, those yeah. other series shows. Any last yeah. thoughts on her story or Alicia's? I know you haven't yeah. listened to the last part, episode five, but is there anything else that kind of stood out to you that you wanted to get off your chest or just, I don't know. Okay. So I think that when, you know, throughout this whole, the four episodes that, that I've heard so far and, and bless Alicia. Cause I, I feel like, you know, you're the, it's all stacked up against her in terms of like, this is your childhood friend. This is somebody that you've known your whole life that you've trusted in through puberty and adolescence and like somebody that you, you feel like you really know. And then I think that I guess from an outsider's perspective, looking at something like this and trying to be empathetic and put myself in that situation is when, when somebody tells you that they have cancer and they're not allowing you into the doctor's appointments, force yourself to like go to those because I don't think like, I think you have to think about in real life outside of your situation are these normal ways that people react. Like when, when you, and think about yourself too, of like when somebody comes at you with a lie and you're like, and you have no idea what they're talking about, you react differently. You don't explode. You don't freak out and like, but what are you talking about? Oh my God. You're like, you're confused. You have to think about psychology and how people are actually normally reacting to situations and sort of like think about it that way and remember that you're smart. And if somebody's pulling you away from your entire life, and bringing you to where they're at, and you're alone, red flag, like really, the red flags are things that your body and your brain are telling you to like, think smart, don't think with your heart, think with your brain, and step away if you have to protect yourself and step away. Mm -hmm. And it's way easier to say than do when you're in that. But I, I think that from my point of being a writer, I always am looking at people's reactions. I'm always looking at how people um, respond to situations and really watching honest ways people respond and ways people manipulators and liars respond. And it's very interesting. So if you start researching that and sort of mm -hmm. watching that, it's very interesting. Do you want to plug any of your Instagrams or anything for anyone who wants to follow you in your writing or not? Um, you don't have to, you don't can, feel pressure, but yeah, follow, follow. Um, you can follow me. I'm, I don't even, I we'll think on Instagram, in the, um, I'm Shana Weber band. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's where I'm probably most active, but you can also follow my company rebel minks, which you can find on Instagram also. We'll add it in the description box too. And I feel like your husband should sing our song to our show. I agree. <laughs> so, so yeah. everyone, I think we've talked about it before. He is Alex band, um, from the calling. Um, and he has an amazing voice. So can we, put that shameless like please yeah no, song, he's, he's already on board he's already the, on board right and the coolest part is we have another singer between the a-team and it's not me can you guess who it is <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that voice it's a duet it's athena <laughs> athena and alex i love it Some that would be so fun be. i mean me no, and no, shana no. could be we the background Amber. singers i mean we've done that before. oh could you guys beatbox yeah. maybe beatbox in the background like like some oh my Amber God. and I are really good singers. When we, we were in New York, so we we karaoke wherever you will go, and um, I'm still embarrassed looking oh back at that. I'm like, what the what <laughs> the fuck? 
So for our listeners, so for our listeners, so, um, we went to, I followed Shayna on a work assignment. She's a TV producer and I went to New York with her. We go to this double decker bar and we were watching the Seahawks game and we're drinking all day long. And the bar turns into a lot of wine. Yes. The bar turns into a karaoke at night. So we all of a sudden there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and we've been drinking and also we're like, we should karaoke. <laughs> and then we think we yeah. should karaoke her husband's song. Cause that would make sense. Let's butcher it up. This is going to be great. Was so there a video we, of this? No, no. unfortunately oh, I just remember like going up and saying, we want wherever you will go by the calling and it comes on and we start, well, Lily, and we start <laughs> and it's so bad. And there's some notes. Let me tell you that not so easy to hit and so we just this song and I remember the guy going what are you guys groupies and I'm like no she's married to him and I think he was thinking we were lying he was like no you're not you guys are nuts that was absolutely crazy and then I vividly remember being done and then we look at each other I was like I think we need to leave we left (laughs) (laughs) I think we totally need to like never show our face here again so brutal man I give anything to see that Oh, Come on down. Never we'll know. Karaoke in the garage. Woohoo. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hey, X fans. If you haven't quite got your full fix of X Wives Undercover or the X Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, Don't forget to leave us a five-star review.